Um, if you've got your Bibles, can, we're going to continue. Philippians chapter 4. We're still in Philippians. Um, great book. And we're going we're gonna to read through several verses today. And um, I want us to, to focus in on, on today. Paul's going to talk about uh, what it looks like to live with plenty and what it looks like to live with without. And we, we live in a world right now that's uncertain, amen? We live in a world that's a little, a little off kilter. There's a little bit of um, anxiety. There's a little bit of um, uncertainty. There's constant conversations on the news about things that might happen, things that could happen. We've, we've lived through the last couple of years of things that could happen. We were worried through a pandemic. We're worried through different things. Now they're, they're saying that, the, that our currency may not be stable and we've got all these uncertainties in the world. We've got things that can cause us to say, man, I'm, I'm not sure about tomorrow. I'm not sure what might take place tomorrow. But I can tell you this much. I know who's on the throne, amen? I know who's on the throne. And when, when we're a citizen of the kingdom of God, think things will totally look different for those that are citizens of the kingdom of God. And as we've gone through this, this text, through these chapters, we've been talking about being a citizen of a different kingdom. And, and so... Paul talks about this in the passage today in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 10. And he, he says this, this idea here. He talks about um, rejoicing in the midst of chaos. Being able to celebrate plenty and being able to celebrate when things are rough. He starts in verse 10 and he tells the church. Remember, he's writing this letter to the church of Philippi. And he says in verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So I'm going to tell you this. In the midst of uncertain times, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of trials and, and tribulations, Christians have a different approach. We, we are genuinely concerned about people that are in need. We, we see that in the church of Philippi, they had a desire to take care of Paul in his ministry. They had a desire to come alongside Paul and help him in the, in the ways that, that, that they could. And, and so, ten years prior to this, if you, go, if you do a little, I did a little history on this. Ten years prior to this text being written, this letter being written... Um, the church had sent Paul a gift to help him in his ministry. And, and Paul's recognizing again here in verse 10, and he says, I rejoice in the Lord that greatly at, at the length that you have, and now you've revived your concern for me. So in this Paul, or in this verse, Paul is expressing gratitude um, and helping, helping the church understand and say, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing again. Your, your desire to help me has been revived again. And, it, and this, is, this is him just letting the church know, I'm grateful for you. I, I'm grateful for this. And so this is one of the reasons I think that the church is so much better than any other club or organization in the world. We come alongside and we help. 
I, I, it just cracks me up anytime I hear someone talking about, oh man, I, the Rotary Club or the Scouts or, or whatever organization that they're talking about. I'm always like, man, that's great, but the church is better. That's fantastic that your, your organization is doing that. I'm thankful that you're, you're giving clean water to those who don't have clean water. But I want you to know something. The church is doing that too. And not only are we giving clean water, we're showing people, we're, not a, our, we're, we're digging wells and we're doing all the things that, to provide for people's physical needs. We're also, on top of that, sharing with people how to find everlasting water, living water, that will, will quench your thirst for all eternity. In, in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I, I, I get excited for the things of the church because I believe that what we're doing in the church will matter. Uh, working with kids, working with people in the church, helping in the community, I think that what we're doing here will have a reverberating effect over the next 10 million years and beyond. And it's 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 huge. So God gives the church at Philippi the opportunity to help. And so as God gives our church the opportunity to help, I believe we should. I believe that we should be engaged in helping people's physical and spiritual needs. Not necessarily in that order, but sometimes maybe, it, maybe it's necessary to help with physical needs before we get to the spiritual needs. Because the scripture, man, listen... If you're starving, and I'm like, listen, be warm and filled, the Lord loves you, how good, what good is that? If you're hungry, if you're thirsty. But man, Scripture says, you gave me something to eat, a, cu- a cup of cool water in my name, right? God, God's giving us as saints, as citizens of a kingdom, an opportunity to minister, in uncertain times. So this is what this is in context here. You look at the verse, the next verse in chapter 4, verse 11. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. So remember, he's, he's saying, thanks for helping with the gift. Thank you for that. But not that I'm saying that I'm in need. For I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound. And in every circumstance, I have learned that the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and in need, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You guys know that one. T-shirts on that one. We'll talk about that in a minute because that's one of the most misquoted verses in all of the Bible. Um, but we as Americans, we've done a poor job of being content. Amen? We, we do a crummy job of being content. As soon as you buy the newest smartphone or the newest computer or the newest electronic item, the newest video gaming console, um, within just a couple of weeks, it's obsolete. You get, amen? You, as soon as you buy the new iPhone, what? Within just a couple, hey, it's the new iPhone 347. Whatever number, I don't even know what number they're on now. I have no clue because I've, I've still got to think the 10. I, th- I don't know. It's at some point we've gone, I don't know how far it's gone. Um, but the, all these things that we buy, we're just, it's obsolete. As soon as you drive a car off the lot, it devalues by 30%. We live in a world that teaches us every day on all social media platforms and all tele- television platforms that you, what you have is not enough. What you need is something newer, something better, something shinier, something that smells better, something that looks better. You need the newest model. 
That's what our entire culture is built on. (laughs) Could you imagine sitting watching a television commercial and somebody gets on and says, here's this new product, but guess what? I've learned in whatever situation to be content. You should buy this. Well, why would I buy that? I'm content with what I have, right? That, That product wouldn't be a big seller. But this is what Paul says. You couldn't get this guy down. You could not get Paul down. Paul was just one of these guys that just had a hunger and a desire for the things that were to come in the next life. He was not even remotely concerned about the newest, greatest things in this life because he constantly was thinking about the kingdom of God. He was thinking about the things that were never going to pass away. He was thinking about the kingdom. And he was not attached to this world. And I think one of the biggest problems that we have in this world today is that we are too stinking attached to this place. We're too attached to our things. We're too attached to this present world. And he, he kept this in mind. Paul did. He kept these things in his mind. And he focused on things that, that, that needed to be focused on. He kept his focus on things that were eternal. And his, his primary focus was with the Lord Jesus Christ. He loved Jesus. And because of that, verse 12 rings true. So we, we look at verse 12, he goes, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. So in, in this text, he's saying, I know how to be brought to the lowest of lows. I know what it looks like to be at the bottom of the bucket. I know what it looks like after I'm at the bottom of the bucket to be, you know, dig the trench and lay in the bottom of the trench at the bottom of the bucket. I know how to be brought low. And then I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Man, that that covers everything. So he's saying, I know what it's like to be dead broke, and I know what it's like to be rich. I've gone on both ends of the spectrum, and guess what? I'm content on both ends of the spectrum. I just am. I've learned what it's like to be hungry. I've learned what it's like to have a ton. And I know that Christ is the center of all things. I know that Christ is a sinner when I've got a ton and when I have nothing. Christ is still in the middle of my life and I'm okay. So that's the reason verse 13 rings so true. In context, verse 13, I can do all of these things. I can live in abundance and I can live as a dead broke person. And what? I can do all things. I can live in these states And all things through Christ who strengthened me. I can do all these things. I can live in these states because Christ lives in me. And in verse 13, in context, now makes a lot more sense. I can live as a poor man. I can live as a rich man. I can do all things. It doesn't matter my my physical stance. I have Christ and he's more than enough. That's what he's saying here. I can do all things. And I will be content in Christ and I can do all things. I can live in all places, in all circumstances because Christ is more than enough. 
Christ is the one who brings me strength. It is not my possessions that give me confidence. It is not my stuff that gives me strength. It is Christ who gives me strength. And I will be content in him all the day long. Paul says here in in this text, I'm not who I am because of where I live or what my bank account looks like or what my last name is. I live in a state that I live in because Christ lives in me and he's the one who gives me strength. Amen. He's the one who gives me the strength to be able to do what I'm doing. It's all because of Christ. I'm content in all states because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And man, I know we've got so many t-shirts that just coffee cups, floor mats, you name it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My favorite one, though, is I can do all things with a, I can do all things with a verse out of context. That's my favorite t-shirt. I can do all things with a verse out of context. I love that t-shirt. But this is, this is the idea that has sprung up with Philippians 4.13. And a bulk of the schemes that are done are just that they're schemes every athlete man every athlete i can do all things through christ who gives me strength does that include the losing side of it because they, they don't like to talk about when they lose but when they win they're like i can do all things through christ who gives me strength i won that bowl game i won this thing i did this my business is on top of everything why because i can do all things through christ i can accomplish a great feats i can do all these things god will reward me financially oh look at this i can do all things Okay, but can you do all things when you lose too? Is Christ the center of all of your life even when you lose? I love this quote from Pastor Jeff Poor, which I think is an interesting last name. It doesn't matter how much you pray, believe, or quote the Bible, bad things will still happen. You'll lose the game, you'll flunk the test, your spouse will leave you, your kids will hate you, the job will fall through, and you won't even and you'll never have enough money and you'll probably at some point be hungry that's just life because life is life because we live in a fallen and sinful world that's that's the truth like what we've done in the, in Christendom today is we've got this prosperity gospel idea that if if you get Jesus he'll give you everything you could ever think you want a fat bank account just the the high life i'll never, I'll never forget that remember that I'll be back in the high life again. Remember that song from the 80s? Anybody in the room? You remember that song? You young folks, in the front, you never heard that song. But that was a song that I remember. He, he, he's singing, man, listen. All the people that once left me, they'll be back. Begging to be back at my door because I'll be back in the high life again. And that's what we've done with Jesus. We've, we've turned him into this magic genie that if we rub the Bible just right, he'll smokily come out of the pages and give me all the desires of my heart. What in the world is that? That's, that's crazy. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's including all this stuff. I can look at all my stuff. Look at this. Having a proper context to Scripture is critical to understanding the Bible. A verse out of context is pretext. And will bring silly worldviews and no real solution to your life. This is why we have to have this is why we got so many mainstream pop culture preachers that get up on fancy stages and smokes and smoke and light and I'm going to be honest. That's why I love this place. We don't have we don't have all we don't have the fog machines and the the, the hip bands and all the stuff. You guys are coming here cuz you want to know Jesus. You want to know his word. Like that's what I love. Like 
You need some smoke machines, Tyler? Tyler, you want a, you want a fog machine? I mean, we just don't have these things. We don't have these things. You guys want to know the Word of God? Because this is, this is the vital thing. It's the Word of God. This is what we have. This is what we're, this is all. And listen, at the end of the day, this is what's going to get you through a tough time. At the end of the day, your trials and tribulations aren't going to get you by by having just a, a, just a wing and a prayer. Like, listen, having yourself rooted in the Word of God is what is going to have to get you through the things that are coming. And this is why I think we've got so many silly worldviews and so many silly theological worlds, world systems out there today. They present things to the masses that are totally off theologically. And this is, this is the thing. Most of us love these. And this is what I, I call guys like Joel Osteen and these guys. They're, they're great motivational speakers. That's the reason motivational speaker conferences are jam-packed. You know what one of the largest sections in the bookstore is? Self-help. Self-help section. Man, we, we, we know something's wrong with us. We want to be the better version of ourselves. But I can promise you, if Christ is never in the center of your life, you're never going to be a better version of you. You're still just going to be a dead man walking. Maybe with some new clothes. Maybe with a fat bank account. But you're still a dead man walking. You, you need to be born again. You need to be transformed from the life that you were in to the life that Christ has for you. And listen, if you read through the Bible, a lot of these guys didn't get speaking tours and, and book deals. They got thrown in prison. They, they were destitute. They were broke. But guess what? They still understood that Jesus was more than enough. Jesus was enough to keep them content where they were. And so... Paul says here, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can live high, I can live low, and I'll be content either way because Christ is the one that matters. That's it. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 gives us a moment when he was brought low. He talks about being brought low. And we talked about this for just a few moments this morning in, in Sunday school. But 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want you guys to turn over there with me in your Bibles. Go, go over just a, just a few pages back to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want you to see this. Paul gives us a moment when he was brought low and found God's grace to be more than sufficient. Paul is given a heavenly vision. So at some point, Paul is given this incredible vision of heaven. It's caught up to the third heaven. He's got this, this vision of the third heaven in chapter 12, verse 2. And, and, and it's, it's a surpassing vision. It is a, an incredible vision of what God's doing. And, and he's got all these things happening. And then the text tells us to keep me Paul writes in verse 7, chapter 12, verse 7, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan who harassed me to keep me from being conceited. Now, we don't know what the thorn in the flesh is. I know that there are some theologians that say it was his wife, but I don't think that's the truth. So... <laughs> you okay honey well my wife is losing control up in the front here oh boy so 
That wasn't, you guys got that one for free. That wasn't in my notes this morning. You guys got that one. Stick to the script, Caleb. <laughs> so he's given, he's given this thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it is. But it meant it was, it was bad enough. He was brought low to the point where he says, he pleads with the Lord, not once, not twice, but three separate times. So he is begging. The word plead here is begging God to remove this, this thorn. To remove this pain. To remove these things out of his life. But in the midst of his trials, he's not complaining Rather, he's praying. I want you to see that. He's not griping and complaining about his trials, about his tribulations, about his, his hardships. He's not complaining. He's praying. He's coming to the Lord, asking God to do something. Now, does he like it? No, he doesn't like it. But he's saying, God, I, I, I need you. I need you. And then God answers him in verse 9. And Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness, therefore I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10 then goes on and says, For the sake of Christ then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. In the midst of his trials, he's not complaining. He's praying. And, if, and listen, he's asking in the prayer, God, take it away. But whenever his prayer is not answered the way he likes it. How many of us, when we pray things, God doesn't answer our prayers the way we think it is? We say, God, this is how I'd like you to answer the prayer. And then God answers your prayer and it's completely different. Well, that's what happens to Paul. Paul is pleading for one thing and God answers his prayer. But he says, listen, I'm not taking the thorn away, but here's what I will give you. My grace. But man, isn't that all you need? That's all you need to make it in this thing. To make it into this life called the Christian life is God's grace. You can't get anything else. You're saved by grace through faith alone. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. You're not saved by grace and your works. You're not saved by grace and baptism. You're saved, according to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, you're saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves, lest anyone should be able to boast. Because listen, if I could do something to get into the favor of God, it's no longer God that gets their glory, it's Caleb. And that's not how this works. Caleb doesn't get glory. I don't deserve it. I have done nothing to deserve glory. Christ, on the other hand, has done everything to deserve glory. So because Christ has done everything, he's the one who gets the awesome glory. He's the one who's amazing. He's the one who's sung about it. You're not singing victory. Oh, victory in Caleb. Nobody's singing. We giggle. Why? Right? Because we all know that's silly. But victory in Jesus? Come on. Victory in Jesus? That's a different story. In the midst of his trials, he's not complaining. He's praying. And then God answers him and says, listen, I'm not taking the thorn from you. I'm not taking this trial from you. I'm not taking this hardship from you. But here's what I will do. I'll walk with you in the midst of it. Anybody? Anybody had God walk with you in the middle of a hard time? It just, you're like, you wake up and it's, anybody, you just wake up and it's hard to breathe. 
You just, you feel the heaviness of this present broken world and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know how I'm going to take my next step. And then you open the word and he goes, listen, my grace is sufficient. I'm going to give you enough strength to take your next step. It may not give you enough strength to get you from the end of the to, from here to the end of the street, but he's going to give you enough strength to take the next step, to take the next step, to take the next step. He gives you enough strength, he gives you enough insight, he gives you enough biblical understanding to get you from one degree of glory to the next. One degree of glory to the next. This is what we need to be doing in our lives as believers. We need to be taking this as the prescription for our lives. Caleb, you don't know what's going on in my life. It's really tough. I don't want to discount that. I'm sure. Listen, we've all walked through hard times. But I can promise you there's never been a hard time that Christ couldn't overcome. There's never been a hardship that Jesus hasn't been sovereignly king over. Amen? Well, in fact, I just had a you know, you know how this works in my head. I just, my brain just sort of kind of just throws things out every once in a while. I just had something thrown out. One of the things in, in Psalms, is, I'm not, Darren, I'm not sticking to my notes. Psalms 29, listen to this. Psalms 29, verse 10. The Lord is enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king over forever may the lord give strength to his people and may the lord bless his people with peace now i want you to see something there what where he didn't say he's going to take the flood away he didn't now could he yeah you bet he could but guess what the lord sits enthroned and not just as any old guy He's enthroned over the flood of your life. He's enthroned as king. And not only is he enthroned as king, what's he give to his children? Verse 11. He gives strength to his people. Who who is his people? You can just point your me. I'm his people. If you've tr- if you've repented of your sins and trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, you're his people. Okay? So he gives strength to those who trust in him. And not only that, he gives, he blesses the people with peace. How many of us have walked through a deep trial and the Lord has given you the strength to be able to handle that trial? And not only being able to give you the strength to handle that trial, gives you an amazing amount of peace in the middle of all of it. Anybody? It's like, hey, I've heard people... Look at me and look at my family and some of the things we've gone through and say, how can you guys handle some of the things you're going through with such, you're not freaking out. You're not like losing your mind. Why? Because I know who sits enthroned as king over the, all of these things. King Jesus rules as supreme. And guess what? In this life, everything's temporary. The good and the bad. So your hard stuff, it's only, temp- it's only here for a minute. Now, if you're on this side of the grave and you don't know Christ and you get transported to the other side via death, that's eternal. That trial, that trouble will never end. It's eternal. This side of the grave, those that are in Christ, your trial, your, your problem is only just temporary. It's just here for a moment. 
And this is how you and I as believers need to live. We need to live in the state of, God, I know you can take care of me. I know that you can live, you can take care of me. We need to delight in our weaknesses, our insults, the hardships, and the persecutions, and the difficulties. Number one, because Christ said so. But number two, all those things are temporary. All those things are temporary. And when we rejoice in those things, when we, when we rejoice in our weaknesses, that allows us to become strong. Why? Because Christ works in the mess. Christ works in the middle of the mess. Anybody seen Christ take a mess and turn it into a miracle? You say, oh, I've never seen that, Caleb. Well, you're looking at one. He took me in the depraved, messy state I was in and transformed me into a, into a forgiven saint. Anybody else in the room? Can I get an amen from somebody? All right, got a couple. All right. Listen, don't be afraid to make some noise in this room. I know we Baptist, but we can make some noise. It's okay. The scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen? amen. Come on now. This is what we need to be doing because Christ, in the middle of our weakness, he steps in and makes us strong. And once again, who gets the glory out of this? Christ. Christ. And this is why Paul says this statement in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content. What's the secret, Paul? What's the secret? I've learned the secret to be content in any in every circumstance, whether to well-fed, hungry, whether to live in plenty or to live in want. I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Because Christ is in me, I have all the strength that I need. I have every I have all the strength to be able to walk in all the places I need to walk. Every aspect of my life, everything that I do, God is in the middle. Good and bad, Christ is still king. Woo. And then he goes on in verse 14, and he, the tone of thanksgiving. He says, yet, yet it is good of you to share in my troubles. Now he's gone through and said, listen, it's, I've, I've been broke, I've been rich, all these things are content. But here's what I want to say to you as the church, verse 14. It's good of you to share in my troubles. Listen, it is good for us as believers to come alongside one another and share in the difficulties and the struggles of this life. There's no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity. We have got each, we've got each other. We have to. We have to. He's so thankful that the church body, that they've come along and walked with him in trouble and in plenty. And like I said when I kicked this sermon off, in the middle of uncertain times, Christians have a different approach. We are genuinely concerned for people that are in need. We want to help. And listen, I've seen that in this place. You all hear of a need and you rush to figure out a way to meet that need. Whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual. You guys rush to want to come in and help those things. This is what we're called to do as believers. 